All right, so if you guys didn't know by now, my name is Jason Torrance, and uh, this is my last uh, Sunday here. Um, but before we get into the sermon today, I want to just open us up with prayer. Um, so God, we thank you, Lord, that you are in this place, Lord. We thank you that you communicate to us in so many different ways, Lord. We pray that you would prepare our hearts, God, um, to receive you, Jesus, because we know that you love us, Lord, and you're always reaching out to us, God. So we pray that you would tune our ears to hear you, Lord. Um, let all distractions melt away, God, and let us just be focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is the part of the sermon where you guys are really going to want to perk up your ears because this is going to be the best part of the sermon. I know that there's, this is the only part that I know. I'm like, okay, I got this part down because what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the Bible. And so you know that that's perfect, right? Like, I'm, it's not going to get my own mess in there. So this is the part that you can know you take to the bank. Um, we're going to start off with 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump down to 26. And then we're going to jump again and uh, do 29 to 33. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. You, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Um. So in my time here at Antioch, we've been here for about, I think, six years. Um, one of the ways that I feel like I've grown the most is in my experience with and understanding of the prophetic. I had some experience you know, growing up from a charismatic church background, but it wasn't like a common thing to happen. And then I came here to Antioch, and it became kind of a more common thing. Like People would come and regularly give me words of encouragement. And God, through the training school, kind of taught me in some things and helped me to grow and used me to give those personal words of encouragement. Um, and so this being the last Sunday, I was, was reflecting on that and decided that this is something that I felt like God wanted me to share with you guys, um, just kind of bringing us encouragement to continue in this gift that is kind of like a mark of the Antioch movement. Um, so to help you guys follow along, I'd like to give you kind of a roadmap of where I hope to be going today. I don't know how well I'll be able to stick to my notes, um, but I'm going to try. Uh, so first, I would like to lay a bit of foundation for what prophecy is and isn't so that we can be sure we're kind of on the same page as we're throwing around words like prophecy and words of encouragement and stuff like that. Um, and then I want to talk about what I think the purpose of the prophetic is today, 
and then how God uses prophecy and prayer working together to build up his people in a uniquely powerful way. And then I want to encourage us to seek opportunities to be used by God in this way. So prophecy is one of those issues that um, makes people uncomfortable sometimes. Bible-believing theologians have like differing opinions on this. You'll find that there are devoted, godly people who love God, they love the Bible, they believe in his word, that believe you know, from their own study that this is, prophecy does not happen today. The gifts of the Spirit were for you know, the New Testament, and that has, that has ceased. Um, Antioch as a movement, we don't subscribe to that. We believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is still active and at work today in many of the same ways that he was at work in the, in the New Testament. Um, and so I want to kind of just briefly go through why we believe that um, the Holy Spirit still intervenes on behalf of his children in powers and signs and miraculous things like that. Um, if you want a more in-depth thing, Sean gave a message on this in May, I think it was. So you can go onto the website and there's like a, a sermon series where he kind of highlighted this stuff. Um, so when Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again, he instituted what the Bible calls a new covenant. It was basically a new way of God relating to his people. Um, and the outpouring of the Spirit was one of the signs of the new covenant. And manifestations of certain gifts, like prophecy, speaking in tongues, healings, etc., are a part of that manifestation. Like in the Old Testament, God would do this through a specific person, and he would anoint that person for a time. But in the New Testament, he pour, he's poured that out on all of us. Um, in Acts 2, 16 through 21... I'm going to give you guys a bit of context before we jump into this passage. Um, this is, Jesus had just risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, and he gave his disciples the word, like, hey, you guys need to stay here in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So they were praying, and they were, you know, worshiping together, and then tongues of fire came down and landed on all of them, and they started speaking in different languages and praising God and all this kind of stuff. And a bunch of people saw them from different countries all over the area, and they were like, or different areas, or different parts, different regions. And they were like, are these guys drunk? What are they doing? They're like spitting out a whole bunch of nonsense. But then other people were like, I, I don't know what's going on here, because even though these people are all from some like podunk backcountry hick land, they're all able to speak like perfect, perfectly in my language, and they're declaring the glories of God. What's going on? So Peter stands up, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he uh, says, guys, these people aren't drunk. Uh, and this is what was spoken of in the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these, those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in that message, Peter was saying that these right now are the last days, right? He says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all people until the great and glorious day of the Lord. And since that day hasn't happened yet, we believe that we are still living in that time where he's pouring out his spirit on all people, young and old, rich and poor, man and woman, um, that it's not limited to just a few people. And then we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, and that says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, 
they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So this says that prophecies are going to cease when the perfect comes, when we get to see Jesus face to face and we no longer have to like, look at him through this veil of flesh where we're kind of getting in our own way. And so because we're not in that, that perfection yet, we believe that, hey, this is something that God still wants us to believe in and work for to, or and seek out today. And then to top that off, we've got the command at the beginning of our passage that says we're supposed to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. So, all right, that's the, that's the groundwork of why we believe it's still active. But what is prophecy? Okay, you told me to desire it, but what actually is it that I'm supposed to be desiring? When people hear the word prophecy, one of the main things they think of is telling the future. If you watch a movie and there's something about a prophecy, it's usually like the chosen one will come in the end and you know, like something like that. It's always a future vision that was given. Um, and that's a type of prophecy biblically, but it's not the complete picture. A biblical prophet's main purpose was to bring a message from God to a particular audience. Sometimes it was guidance, sometimes it was warning, sometimes it was a call of repentance or an encouragement. Sometimes it was a telling of the future, but the purpose was always glorifying God. It was always connecting people and bringing them back into relationship with God. Um, it was God speaking through a person to bring his people to him. That's how prophecy worked in the Old Testament, and at its core, it's the same way today. Like it's the same way in the New Testament, that prophecy is glorifying God by sharing a revelation of God's perspective with people to bring them into a truer relationship with God. And so even though at its core it's the same, there is a difference between the Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy, because in the Old Testament prophet, he was considered a mouthpiece for God. The Spirit would come upon like a person or a, like a group of individuals, and they would be responsible for speaking God's exact words. Um, in fact, their prophecies are written in our Bibles as God's own words, and they carry infallible authority. Um, if they were to speak in inaccuracy, they were pun it was punishable by death. God was like, if they speak lies in my name, then you should stone them um, and, you know, they will die. Uh, in the New Testament, that doesn't seem to be the case. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22, Paul writes, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 29-30, which we read, it says, after a person prophesies, the others are supposed to weigh carefully what is said. And then the text kind of moves on to discussing other aspects of like, the order of prophecy and all that. It has nothing, there's no mention of stoning. There's no mention of excommunication even, or even like church discipline for, you know, oh, I you know, tr thought that I had a word from the Lord, but it didn't end up you know, being exactly right. Um, and this is because the Spirit has been moved through us um, and it's kind of, it's broader spread, and, uh, oops, I jumped ahead of my notes. Anyways, it is, we see through a mirror dimly, right? As we read in the passage, right now, we know in part, we prophesy in part. And so, when God gives this revelation, it is filtered through our experiences, filtered through our mind, filtered through all this stuff, and so we're supposed to test it, test the prophecies that we give and receive, and we're supposed to test them by the inerrant 
word of God that we have written in our Bibles. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.37, after he's talking about, hey, you should all prophesy. I want you all to prophesy and test everything that you say and all this kind of stuff. He then says, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I am saying to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he will not be recognized. So there's a difference that the apostles knew in the authority that God had given them to be his direct mouthpiece and to write words of scripture and the prophecy that we are all to partake in, which is for the encouragement and upbuilding and strengthening of the church. Um, So then if prophecy today is not an authoritative word, what's its purpose? Like we said before, prophecy is glorifying God by sharing a revelation of God's perspective with, with people to bring them into truer relationship with God. Um, it's a revelation of truth. It's not something that we have studied and like we're thinking about. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I'm going to put it out. It's something that the Spirit brings up. Um, it's a message from God, prompted and powered by the Spirit, given through a human, usually for a specific audience at a specific time. It can come in words or pictures or even actions, but it always communicates a truth from God to glorify God by bringing people into greater intimacy. Um, John Piper quotes, Wayne Grudem in saying that prophecy is a human report of something that God has brought spontaneously to mind. In 1 Corinthians 14, as we were reading, Paul says that God uses prophecy for the strengthening, encouragement, and comfort of, and to build up the church. It's to be a sign for believers and to bring conviction and to testify to God's presence. Prophecy is the Spirit bringing us a view of God's perspective. Prophecy is also fuel for prayer. Having a revelation of God's perspective on something can boost our own faith and confidence that God will answer our prayers. I'll give you an example from the Old Testament. So the Israelites had been sent into exile. They were living as like captives and slaves in, uh, in Babylon. And Daniel was looking through the book of, the, of Jeremiah. Right? He was looking through the scriptures and he saw that God had given Jeremiah a word of prophecy that the exile was going to end in 70 years. And so I think that without this example, I might think, okay, well, all right, I guess I just got to chill out and wait until those 70 years are up and we're fine. Um, But what Daniel saw is he saw that prophecy as a promise and he instantly decided, I need to fast, I need to pray. He fasted for 21 days and prayed and like labored on his knees. And then God gave him an answer that ended up being another prophecy for what God was going to do for his people um, in the future. And so prophecy is a way that we can, that can fuel our own prayers because we kind of know, we get a better idea of what God's will is, right? And if we know what he, that we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask from him. That's uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Um, and so an example from my own life is I have a two-year-old daughter, well, almost two-year-old daughter. Her name is Daisy Joy Torrance. And uh, when we were pregnant with Daisy, John Prickett was heading over to our house for something, and he was just kind of praying as he was on his way over because, you know, he's a godly man like that. And God gave him a word that our child, who we didn't know was a boy or girl, was going to be a true bundle of joy for us. And that was a real powerful word for us because joy was something that we had been kind of struggling with and praying for the entire year, uh, even before the pregnancy. And we had like a Bible, the Bible verse of the joy of the Lord is our strength. We had that on our house in a prominent spot. And so John came in and was like, oh, okay, um, let me share this word then. And we really latched onto that. We're like, okay, this is great. This 
daughter's gonna, or this child's going to be a bundle of joy. And so we prayed into that. We're like, all right, God, please, you know, let your joy be the, at her center, at her core. And then Daisy was born, and she was full of colic. Like, she just would scream for ages and ages every night. And uh, she was not a smiley baby. You know, she was a very serious-seeming baby. Like, people would be like, hi, baby, and she just, she would give you a look that made it seem like, I see what you're doing, but I judge you for it. Um, and she still, she still does that from time to time, but, uh, but that, was, that was hard for us. We're like, God, you said this is going to be a, joyful, you know, a bundle of joy. What's happening? And rather than, like, rather than trusting in our experience of being like, oh, well, that was wrong. She's not a joyful baby, so let's move on to the next thing. It was fuel for our prayers. You know, we felt like God has spoken identity over her. So we're going to trust that over what we're seeing, over what we're experiencing, and we're going to just pray that God would give her joy, that God would put joy in her, that that would be who she is. And I feel like that God has already answered that prayer, that that she's had transformation. Like, I don't know if you saw her up here beaming and just being giggly and joking and joyful, and it's just been so much, she's brought us so much joy. And I attribute that a lot to the fact that God had spoken that word through John and that we were encouraged to pray in that direction. And so that's great for the spiritual giants, right? That's great for like the Jeremiah's and the Daniels and the John Pricketts of the world. But, uh, <laughs> but what about the average person, right? What about us? <laughs> can we have this same experience? Can, we, can God use us to encourage each other and to build each other up and to fuel our prayers? Well, if we look back at that Acts verse that we were reading, yeah, right? It says he poured out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and see visions and all that. Um, God does not give us his spirit and work in us because we are great. He does it because he is great, Um, because his love for us is great. We all have access to the Father by the same spirit. And also, as I was like thinking about this and and studying for this and meditating on it, I I felt like I realized that in the loosest sense of the word prophecy, The Spirit moves in all of us to prophesy all the time. Um, Whenever you're reading the Bible and something from the text jumps up and grabs you and starts to work a change in you, that's prophetic. That's a supernatural act. Uh, God's living and active word is coming alive in you, bringing glory to God by revealing timely truth through the Spirit to strengthen your relationship with him. In the same way that God works and communicates with you in dealing with your own life, He is able to and he wants to move through you to encourage and build up the church. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 16 says that we have received the spirit who's from God, that we can understand what God has freely given us. That the natural person can't understand the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned. We have been given the mind of Christ. Um, So whenever God uses you, whenever... um, Whenever the Spirit brings something to mind that when you deliver it, it seems to come with like that timely sense of rightness and it leads to strengthening, encouragement, and power um, or conviction, that's prophetic, right? That's God speaking through you in order to build up someone else. It's a revelation of truth from God's perspective. Um, And it brings people into relationship with him. So why, okay, so this is awesome, right? This sounds awesome. And then we're going to go back to that verse of, okay, so we should desire prophecy. All right, so we got this part. We got the command. We got that it's encouraging and it's awesome. So why else should we desire prophecy? Because one one of the reasons why we desire prophecy is that any spiritual gift, any experience with God 
means that we get more of God. And um, since prophecy gives us God's perspective, it works in a special way to glorify God and bring us into truer relationship with him. If we love and trust God, if we know that he is the ultimate good, it stands to reason that we would want to experience more of who he is and that we want others to do the same. We want to receive whatever he's got for us because we know that it's going to be good. Um, The successful, uh, effective, powerful Christian life is not for the independent, self-made person. It's for people who walk in dependence on Jesus and his grace. They recognize that he is the source of all power and wisdom and effectiveness. So we desire to prophesy because it's getting God's perspective, right? It's a revelation of God's perspective to encourage other people. And we know that anything that God would say is far more powerful than anything that I could come up with. It's going to build up the church so much better. It's going to be more uplifting. It's going to be more poignant. A revelation from God's perspective will bring people into a true relationship with God in ways that my own words cannot. Um, And then we also desire the gift of prophecy because we know that Jesus answers prayers that are in his name, prayers that match with his character and will. When prophecy gives us an insight to God's uh, perspective, when it's revealed to us like how God views a situation and what he's thinking about us or about our situation or about anything, it gives us a direction for our prayers. Like it gives us fuel to, okay, I thought that maybe I should be looking for this thing, but I was, I've been getting these prophetic words that maybe I should be praying this other way. We can be, have greater confidence that we're praying according to the will and nature of God. Um, and then we also desire prophecy because as people who have been transformed by the love of Jesus, we want to show love to God by obeying his commandments. And what are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said? He said, the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So the two greatest commandments are to love God, to love people. And prophecy helps us in both of these categories. So how does prophecy help us to love God? Well, the more time you spend with someone, the more you talk with them, the better you know them, right? Receiving a revelation from God helps us to know him in a particular way. By allowing us to get a personal glimpse into his heart for his children, um, God brings us into greater relationship with him. Even if I'm the one giving the prophecy, it's not actually for me. It's encouraging to me because I hear what God is saying about his people. And I know that God loves all of us that in that way. Um, so when we hear God express his love of, his delight in, his pride in his children, when we hear his tenderness and compassion and his strength to lift up those who are weary, it gives us a new way to experience the truths that we already know about from the scripture, from our, from our lives. Um, because God is so good and so naturally deserving of our love, any way that we get to see him and know him more, um, any clearer picture of him, any true interaction with him is going to draw us to love him more. So that's a way that prophecy helps us to love God more. Um, and then it also helps us to love others, right? Because the goal of prophecy, one of the goals of prophecy is to build up the church, to encourage, strengthen, and upbuild people. Um, and then also, I, I would say that God giving us a prophetic message about a person can actually increase the love we have for that person. Um, we can get God's perspective on them, get a glimpse of them through God's eyes, whether it's a word of true identity, like they think that they're one way, but God's speaking identity over them, um, or whether it's an encouraging truth that they need to hear, even if it's a word of rebuke, it can have the effect of increasing the love that we have for people, right? Um, even though, or if, if, you're, if God gives you a prophetic word, you're praying for someone, and God says, oh, you should you know, speak this word to them. 
He gives you a perspective on them. You might think, oh, that person's kind of like a schlub. I don't really know what their purpose is in the kingdom. And then God gives you a vision of like, oh, this person is a mighty warrior. This person is someone who loves me fiercely. It changes your perspective. You're like, oh, I've been looking at this the wrong way. And you, you get to see how God sees the person, and it helps us to feel more love to that, for that person. So these are, all, these are just a, some, some of the reasons why we should desire the gift of prophecy, right? But what does that mean? It sounds great, oh, desire the gift of prophecy. How do we do that? So I think that there's a number of things that we do to fulfill this biblical command of desiring the gift of prophecy. Um, one is we have to be open to the gift. The Bible warns us against quenching the spirit and despising prophecies, right? So that's a tendency of our flesh. Um, the intrusion of the supernatural can be uncomfortable. It's a risky step of faith to tell someone that you think God has told you something. You come out of as a weirdo. Um, and it's a reminder that we are smaller than we probably would like to be and that God is so much bigger. That sometimes makes people uncomfortable when they like to be in control of things or like to think that they can do things by themselves. Um, and I don't think that God is going to force any of his gifts on people because he said that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets, right? So God's not going to co-opt your body and just and make you prophesy. So you have to be open to that gift, right? You have to be open to letting God move in you however he wants to move. And then so after you're open to it, then you need to ask for the gift, right? You do not have because you do not ask God. So if you've never prophesied and you're like, oh, I, I think I wanted it. I don't know why it hasn't happened, but you haven't asked God. Well, that's a place to start, right? You need to ask God for this gift of prophecy. Um, and then when you ask him, you should expect to receive it. Jesus said in Luke 11, 11 through 13, he's talking about, you know, prayer. And he says, if any of you fathers, if your son asks for a bread, are you going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? It's like, no. If you, are, if you evil people can do this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when you ask, you can expect to receive, right? And then when, you, when you're asking and when you're seeking it, I want to also put a caveat that not to make this an idol, not to make this the thing like, oh, if I prophesy, then I'll be complete. Then God will love me. God loves you perfectly right now. You don't need any of, anything else to add to God's love, right? So when you ask for this, when you're seeking it, you're asking with an open hand because you want the gift of prophecy, but what you really want is God, and you want whatever he has for you. Um, so another way that we desire the gift of prophecy is that we seek growth in the gift. There are many people in here who already have the gift of prophecy, right? God has worked through them to give powerful messages and reveal truth and has brought people into greater intimacy with God through that truth that they've shared. But I think that seeking to grow in that gift is for all of us, right? Whether you have zero prophecy or whether you're like, I'm basically a prophet. Um, <laughs> I, think that there is, I think that there's space, always space for us to grow, right? And so what does it mean? How do we fan into flame that gift of the Spirit, of the gift of prophecy? And I think the, the first thing to do is to soak yourself in the Word of God. Soak yourself in the Bible, um, there's no better way to get a revelation of God's perspective to bring you and other people into truer relationship with him than to spend time in the Bible. It's already God's perfect, infallible, inerrant word that he's given to you. And when you marinate your souls and minds in the Bible, it gives fire to the spirit. He, he has tools that he can bring up to your mind in order to strengthen and encourage people. It helps, also helps us to be familiar with the sound of God's voice. Right? If I am spending so much time in the scripture, I know what God's like. I've been spending time with him. 
And so when I'm thinking and I'm praying for something and stuff starts bubbling up, I reckon, oh, that sounds like God's stuff. That doesn't sound like me stuff. It's too good. <laughs> um, and so also, you know, you, we, we fan into flame this gift by having that expectation. You cultivate that expectation. So when you're praying or when you're laying hands on people or when you see someone with a need or even when you're talking to someone, you're always kind of having that one ear like, God, do you have anything to say to this person right now? Is there anything you want to speak through me? Um, because prayer is communication, right? It's a two-way street. Oftentimes, we only think of like the, okay, I'm saying stuff to God, and that's what prayer is. But God always wants to communicate through us, and he does it in through many ways. He does it through his Bible. He does it through pictures, images, words, all that kind of stuff. So we have that expectation that God is going to speak when we pray. Um, and then, lastly, you take those steps of faith, right? Because God can give you a billion words, but if you never actually share any of them, it's not going to grow your gift, right? You're gonna, just going to have these things, and it's going to be kind of like growing stagnant and atrophying. Um, so when you act in faith, when God speaks to you and you deliver those messages, it's also something that helps you develop familiarity with God's voice. If you deliver a word and it doesn't stick, you're like, oh, that's, that wasn't from God. No big deal. We know in part and prophesy in part. I guess, you know, I need to like kind of refine my sense. And when you give words from God that they do stick and like the person is weeping, you're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. It kind of is a trigger. Like, okay, I know what it feels like when God is prompting me. I kind of know what that pressure feels like other than my own voice, my own thoughts, because I've delivered things that I'm like, all right, I think this might be from God. And the person's giving me a testimony that like, yeah, that was really powerful for me. And so it kind of like helps me filter out my voice from God's voice. Um, And that's important because prophecy is a revelation of God's perspective and it's filtered through us, right? Though the revelation is true, it's possible that our perception of the revelation our interpretation of the revelation or our delivery um, can be flawed, right? So knowing that we know in part and we prophesy in part, how then should we prophesy? Like what are the practical steps of like how should we actually give this? Um, One is that I think if it's not immediately clear, you should ask God if he's revealing something for you to share or something for you to pray. I feel like there have been times where God has given me prophetic words that he did not want me to go and like run and say, oh, I got a word for you. It was just direction for my own prayer to encourage that person and strengthen them up. Um, And then if it is to share, ask about the time and the method of the delivery. Like, there have been times when God's woken me up in the middle of the night, and as I've been praying for someone, like, he's given me a word. I doubt that he wants me to call that person or, like, drive over to their house right now and be like, I got a word from God from you. (laughs) So sometimes it could be, you know, a call or a text or you write a note or you send an email or you go, you wait until you see the person you have a conversation, but pray and ask God, like, okay, what, how do you want me to do, go about this? Um, and then if it's possible, it doesn't hurt to get other perspectives on this, right? Because in that uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 9, it says that one prophet should speak, others should weigh carefully what is said. And so when you bring other, or have a chance to bring other people into it, it gives you an extra layer of people testing it to make sure that it's from God, see if it resonates with what the scripture says and what could be working in that person's life. Um, okay. And then when you do offer it, you offer it with humility. You recognize your fallibility. You don't say, thus saith the Lord, I've got a word for you. Um, you use language. One of the ways that we show humility is that we use language that kind of lets people know that they don't have to like take this and be like, all right, I guess I got to do this now. Um, so oftentimes you'll hear people say things like, you know, I would like to submit this to you to see, for you to test and see if it's from God. 
or I feel like God's given me a word for you. You know, like I'm putting, I want to submit this to you. Um, so that kind of stuff. And then lastly, I like to offer, I always like to offer to pray, right? Because prophecy is something that fuels our prayers and it's supposed to fuel our faith. And so whether it is a prophecy that's like, man, that was spot on, I know this is true, or whether it's a prophecy that kind of like, I'm not sure if this is true, what's going on here? I think that offering to pray and saying like, would you mind if I pray this for you? Or is there an, a way that I can pray for you? Is a good way to kind of like seal that prophecy, the prophetic word in, over that person's life or to pray for whatever they really wanted you to do. Because I feel like there have been times when God has prompted me to give a prophetic word that flopped because he wanted me to talk to that person and pray about whatever it is they were actually going through. Um, and so and when, I'm writing, when I'm writing things out, I often end with a line of like, even if this doesn't resonate with you, if this doesn't seem to be from God, I hope you're at least encouraged that God is having people pray for you. And I feel that has been encouraging for people even when it hasn't really like settled into them as a word from God. Um, and then if you're on the receiving end of a prophecy, it's much the same, right? Many of the same steps. You wanna, your first task is to weigh the word, right? To test the, test the prophecy to see if it's from God. So you test it against scripture. You test it against your own experience, like, is this what God's been talking to me about? Is this something that like, resonates in my heart as word from God? And we keep in dialogue with God about it. We pray. Say, God, is this from you? How do I apply this? Um, and then it's okay if someone gives you a message and it doesn't resonate. You don't have to pretend like, oh, yeah, that was so powerful for me, when it wasn't, right? We don't want to like, cultivate dishonesty and lying. This is all about relationship with God, relationship with each other, building each other up. And so I'm always encouraged, even if the word isn't for me, I'm encouraged just because God, like that person loved me enough and loved God enough to step out in faith and pray for me. And so I, you know, I thank him, like, hey, thank you for your obedience and for your faithfulness. And then one of the best ways that someone has like shifted me when I've given a word and they're like, ah, that wasn't quite it. They, said, they laid their hands on me like, you know, another way that you could pray is, and they like shared with me like the personal thing that they were really struggling with and I was able to pray into that. So offering that up to you guys is another method you can use. Um, and then also when you're receiving prophetic word, I think it's powerful to record it in some way. Whether you jot down some notes or write it in a journal or like audio record it, it's really helpful for you to test it. And it's also helpful if it is from God to like revisit that and to be praying into that. Um, because it, the word can hit you powerfully and you can be weeping and bawling in the moment. And then like two days later, you forget that you're still in that situation and you still need that word. Um, and so I'm going to try to move a little bit quicker here through the last page. Um, so as we're receiving, I also want to warn us to not like take a prophetic word and be like, okay, God's spoken. I'm taking this to the bank. Um, we want to hope, but we want to hold our hands open to whatever God is going to actually do, right? Because again, we don't want to just focus on the word. The whole purpose of the revelation was to bring us into truer relationship with God. So that relationship with God is our focus. Um, and we also don't want to assume that we perfectly understand the interpretation or assume that there's only one obvious purpose to the, to the prophecy. Uh, and Paul, in the book of Acts, in Acts 21, he was heading to Jerusalem, and a bunch of prophets were saying, hey, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound up and you're going to be thrown in prison. And everyone, all of his friends were like, oh, well, this is clearly a word from God that you should not go, because that sounds awful. But Paul knew that God had really called him to Jerusalem, and he was so confident in that call that he was like, 
God, this is not, the purpose of this is not to dissuade me from this, but to prepare me for this. And so I'm going to still go to Jerusalem because I'm ready to die for, you know, I'm ready to die for the name of Jesus. And so be careful when you get a prophecy and you seem to have an interpretation of it that you don't hold on to that as like this is the infallible word of God. You know, you don't want to make that then the idol because if God gave that prophecy for a different reason, you don't want to be then like, do I hear God? What's happening? What's... And you like kind of spin yourself into a spiral of doubt and confusion. Um, you, because, so, sorry, me. So when you get a prophecy, the main purpose is to continue to be in dialogue with God about it, right? The main purpose of this revelation was to give you God's perspective to bring you into a true relationship with him. And so that relationship is the focus. It's possible to prophesy or to have prophecies given to you and to not really know Jesus, right? In Matthew 7, 21, there are people said, oh, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We performed many miracles. And Jesus said, yeah, but you know, you ne- I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. So we don't want to put prophecy up on a pedestal and make this like the end-all, be-all of, you know, the mark of holiness, the litmus test of holiness, um, because God, we know, gives us these gifts regardless of our holiness because of his grace, because of his goodness. Um, and so that is the main focus of our, of our hearts and our lives and of prophecy is to glorify God, to bring us into greater relationship with him. Um, and so no matter where you think you are in the spectrum of the prophetic, whether you think, oh, yeah, you know, I prophesy all the time. I'm prophesying right now. Or whether you think they're like, man, I, I never had that. I don't know that I could, ever could have that. Um, I want to just remind you that the Spirit is always speaking to you and revealing his perspective to you to bring you into a true relationship with him, right? And if prophet, the office of prophet is not something that you feel like you, are, like you regularly walk in, that's okay. He, the Spirit gives different gifts to all of us because we're supposed to work as a body, right? If you're the eye, you can't say, oh, I'm the eye. I'm a prophet. I don't need any of the rest of you. And if you're not a prophet, you can't say, oh, I don't need, I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything to the kingdom because I don't have the gift of prophecy, right? God gives his spirits as he wishes intentionally, on purpose, to bring us all into relationship with each other and with him. Um, so I want you to, you know, I just want to encourage us to keep our ears and our heart open and to strive to excel at building up the church. Um, can I call the band up? So I was praying about this, and I was thinking, like, man, there are, what is the response from this, right? Says, I kind of wanted this to be like a call to action. Like, we've been talking about desiring prophecy, what prophecy is, and how we should be pursuing it, eagerly desiring it. And I want this to be something that we're doing, right? And so I thought of, like, three different responses came to mind. So one is if you've received a word from God that you believe is prophetic, you believe God has spoken to you, and you want others to join with you in prayer to kind of let that be the fuel for your prayer, I invite you to either come to the front or like gather some friends and have them pray for you, like share that word for them and have them pray into that. Um, another one, obvious one, is if you don't have the gift of prophecy, but you desire it or you desire more of it, and that's another thing to come to the front or to get people to pray for you for uh, many times in the New Testament, they talk about how the gifts of the Spirit were given by the laying on of hands and by people gathering around and praying for people, and then God would give the gifts of the Spirit through that. Um, and then lastly, if you desire prayer for anything else, right? Because the whole, one of the ways that prophecy helps us is that it's God, God gives us a message to speak into our places of need, right? It reveals his perspective, and it brings us into that true relationship with him. And so if you feel like, man, I just have a need that needs prayer, then I invite you to get it. Uh, this is the place where all, look, if you look around you, there are believers all around you. Your brothers and sisters 
are here and God can speak to you directly, but he also can speak powerfully through other people. Um, I think that for me, prophecy has been encouraging because it's kind of like a confirmation that God's, that I'm like on the right track with God. If I'm praying for something and then some random person comes up and is like, I feel like God's telling me this and it's like what I've been struggling with. I'm like, all right, that's confirmation that God is engaging with me on this purpose. So I'm going to let the band play um, whatever they're going to play and then <laughs> open it up for, you know, come and, come and get prayer if you need it. Thank you. 